Great. Fantastic. Cultivating safe and healthy relationships. You know, this is a big, big theme nowadays. Um, I just stumbled across in one of my uh, emails a couple of days ago how uh, a, a question about why is it so big nowadays? And I think part of it has to do with uh, the times that we live in are holding everybody accountable in all sorts of different ways, shapes, and forms. And then we've had a lot of uh, large church scandals in recent times. So that's that's part of the reason why. And, and I'd like to talk about some of the books that have come out. Um, in just a moment. So when we think about the way we will obtain a, a good perspective on healthy relationships, we might get it from our family, and sometimes our families are goofy, sometimes they're dysfunctional, and sometimes they're fantastic. We, that might be where our first compass comes from. It could be from society, the workplace, uh, the town that we live in. It also should be able to come from the church. That's the ideal place for us as adults if we didn't get it in our family, mm -hmm. if we didn't get the right alignment, that compass, the, the thinking. And some people get it from their family and some people don't. The church becomes that place that they're going to get the healthiest view, hopefully, um, and that we can be part of that by how we teach and how we deal with things. And so when we look at why this is a big topic in the world, we can look at all the books that have come out related to this kind of topic today. Uh, two of the most best-selling books in this category are Understanding Power, uh, understand authority and abuse in the church. And, and uh, one of my friends, Kyle Spears, did a podcast recently, a video podcast with the author of that book. And he said that was his best attended podcast ever. Uh, I think the leading book of the last year and a half, a church called Tav, Tav is a Hebrew word for good, uh, comes from evaluating some of the scandals that have taken place, and it uses a large church uh, in the Chicago area called Willow Creek as a, as a basis for telling this story about what kind of church we can be. But there's a lot of books that show that this is a big theme today. The movie Spotlight, uh, dealing with the scandal in the Catholic Church, specifically in the Boston Diocese, and the uh, podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which was in the top 10 of 2021, uh, shows that this is huge, huge theme. And so what does that mean for us? Well, I think the scrutiny from the books, the podcasts, and the movies can be a good thing for Christianity. Mm -hmm. And it can be good for us to be a reminder that we're being watched. We're supposed to be a city on a hill. So what we want to do to be able to figure out how we can be the very best version of ourselves. So we are going to just cover um, these six things in our class today, you know, just um, starting off with the Proverbs and talking about what it means to choose wisely our relationships. And in First Samuel, um, we're going to look at being joined by a shared purpose. In Proverbs, there's so many scriptures on critiquing constructively um, and helping one another out and just how to do that. Um, allowing for divergent opinions, which um, 
you know, is something we're really facing more and more in the world. And then it goes into the church and settling issues quickly. And of course, we'll end with seeking maturity. Um, choosing wisely. So um, I became a Christian when I was 20. Wisdom was so far from me. Um, by the grace of God, I became a Christian, but I was living in the, with the results of a lot of um, foolishness in my youth. And, um, you know, as I've grown as a Christian, the more I understand about what it means to choose wisely and the scripture is, the scriptures in Proverbs, um, uh, chapter 12, verse 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Um, but that actually is something that we have to really look at within the body as well of choosing our friends carefully. And in verse chapter 27, verse 17 is iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. Um, in chapter 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise, associate, associate with fools and get in trouble. Um, in chapter 18, verse 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So when I was a young Christian, this, these scriptures really um, met a need because it explained really why um, I, I ended up with the life that I ended up with. And it, but it did lead me to see my need for God. But, you know, I've been a Christian now for, gosh, I think a little over 40 years. Yeah, 41 years and going on 42 years. And these scriptures continue to, um, teach me on, on my choices. And, you know, some friends I've had for the whole 40 years and those friends have stuck closer than, um, than a sibling can stick to me. Um, but just, you know, we're accountable for who we're influenced by. And I think really understanding that we don't have to be best friends with every single person. Like a friendship means some of, some of that is our choice. And being accountable for who we are influenced by, but not um, ignoring the whole, embracing the whole. Where I go for wisdom is on me. And looking for a few for wisdom while embracing the whole. The word whole implies that there are parts and parts are connected. Wholeness is not to be confused with oneness. And that quote is from Peter Stanky and we'll, we'll continue to talk about that throughout our, um, our hour together, but it's not, um, it's not that I'm ignoring the whole, but who I get my wisdom from is so important. And I've been led astray by, by being too vulnerable to the opinions of some of my brothers and sisters and not taking responsibility, not, not taking personal responsibility. Good. Um, we're going to talk here about being joined by a shared purpose, but I want to make sure uh, I tell a little bit of a story here. Jonathan in 1 Samuel, in a couple of different chapters in 1 Samuel, proves to be a courageous, righteous warrior looking out for the honor of Israel and his God. He took great risks. He got uh, got behind enemy lines and uh, 
faced all sorts of odds and came out victorious. Well, then we get to chapter 17, the, the whole chapter is dedicated to the story of David and Goliath. And we know that story is the most uh, commonly understood story by children in the world. So let's read after that. After David finished talking with Saul, now this is immediately after discussing what happened with Goliath, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him as he did not let him return him home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Well, Jonathan and David were so similar in their character, in their heart, their concerns, their aims. And Jonathan picked up on that that day. Like, that's somebody that I can really get close to we would be about doing the same thing. And a matter of fact, they got so close that Jonathan uh, sided with David in the conflict between David and Jonathan's father. And so this is a good example to show that when we are all about a, a purpose, it could even be a, a smaller purpose, you know, uh, strengthening a small group, uh, helping out the church in some sort of important task, but there's a like-mindedness about it with someone that can really foster a healthy uh, relationship, a place where we can build confidentiality and trust and, and confess our sins and, and work closely to each other and see the best in each other. So it really does help to uh, identify people that we can be like-minded about, about good things, about important things uh, that we have spiritually going. We're going to talk here about critiquing constructively. For this command is a lamp, Proverbs 6.23. This teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. You know, we really benefit when we have somebody in our life that sees things about us better than we see about ourselves. And... Uh, I'll tell you what, the, before I became a Christian, or even early in my Christian life, there would be no hint at all that I would be uh, able to do what I do professionally today. Um, I was super, super unrefined. Now, that may not be hard to imagine, but I, I was. Uh, I just was going to be an engineer, and I love being an engineer, by the way but I really wasn't going to be a, a social influence in the world. I didn't see myself that way, but over time and the influence of people in my life, um, and, and I am, but it's because I've been given lots of feedback and I still have feedback. I have people that I talk to every single week and sometimes we coach each other, instruct each other related to our roles and our spiritual lives and the decisions we're making. In Proverbs 15, 31, whoever he's life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Uh, again, another great verse. When we critique, we should do it with the golden rule in mind. How we would want a critique to come to us is how we would want to deliver it to somebody else. The right setting and the way we, we come across that sense of respect. And then wounds from our friends can be trusted, but 
I can't even read that because my face is covering that. But an enemy multiple uh, multiplies kisses, okay? So what we mm-hmm. can be convicted in such a way it might even hurt by some sort of feedback we get. And uh, But if we remember they have our best interests in mind, it can be really helpful. So think about that. Um, and we will now talk about uh, how we want to leave space for uh, differences. Look at the times we live in. We got people with brash expressions about politics, criminal justice, societal issues, protests, role of women, national history, the police, vaccines, reach of government, and so forth. And we got all this stuff that's been going on in the church world. We And plus, we have all this happening on social media, even in our church, uh, in a significant way. How will we manage that? Yeah, just um, talking about each of these scriptures, accepting the the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. I think one of the things that really can um, really get in the way of our faith community is um, allowing that to happen into in our body, um, allowing the quarreling over things that are disputable and. Um, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. And if you've ever talked to a brother or sister that's fully convinced of something that you are completely not convinced of, um, it feels like, oh, maybe we're disunified and understanding what unity is, is so important. Um, because it's not about us all seeing every day alike as the scripture tutors us in. Um, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with content? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Um, I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, um, Life Together. It's a very short read. Um, It's heavy because of where he was in his life when he wrote the book. But and maybe his circumstances were quite different than ours today, but um, it really has inspired me to understand what we're talking about, divergent opinions, because God is the one that unified us through um, his blood, his son dying on the cross, giving us all the Holy Spirit. And the fact that we don't have to be, we don't have to look at every day alike, um, but when we're convinced of something, we don't have to convince another of that same thing and really allowing space in our fellowship, I think is really important as far as having healthy relationships. Yeah. We want to also make sure that we remove stumbling blocks between us and somebody else with our opinions. And we pass judgment on one another as Paul reminds us here. And uh, that, you know, when we have divergent opinions it's good for somebody, for us to say, here's where I'm coming from. This is my life journey that got me to this point of view. Do you see anything about my logic that is flawed? That's something that we can do. When we curate the relationship being more important than our opinion on all these matters that are going on in the world, even though these are very important topics, many of them, 
Um, but it's good to make ourselves vulnerable to the feedback for, uh, from somebody else about the way that we come across or even the logic if it happens to be an important topic in the church. Because some of these do become important in the church, like uh, vaccines and meeting together and the, the government rules and so on and so forth. Let us make every effort to do what it leads to peace and mutual edification. And making every effort really is uh, involving humility. And, and you, you can feel that. The other, one of the other times that that phrase is used is Ephesians chapter 4. It related to our seven ones that brings us all together. It takes humility. We have to persist and persevere uh, to make sure that we are creating that place that we can have a peace with one another. Now, settling issues quickly, or as Matthew records Jesus saying, settling matters quickly. Uh, that's where if we know somebody has something against us, we, we should leave whatever it is we're up, up to do, our gift at the altar, whatever. First, go and be reconciled. Then deal with your spiritual rituals after that. Settle matters uh, quickly. You know, sometimes the, the, the things we have to sort out are basically sin, right? So therefore, uh, it, and we want to go to that brother. In Matthew chapter 18, the spirit of this helping a brother who's in sin is to win them over, not to beat them up, not right. to shame them, not to kick them out of the church, but to win them over so that if that sin is actually true, that we feel think we've seen a sin or know the sin, we want to win them over and help them come out of that sin. But you know what? Sometimes we have to sort out issues in the same spirit of Matthew 5 that are not about sins, but they might be about differences that are creating discomfort mm -hmm. in our relationship. And a person that we are feeling discomfort with needs to be able to know that and vice versa so we can be able to talk about these things and identify where the tensions come from and our feelings. Uh, and these become important matter. Otherwise, the thing that is just a little uncomfortable can grow and grow and grow to becoming something much bigger than it should have ever been. So how do we do that? How do we create that safe space to have that conversation? It's very individual specific. So one of the things that you can do or we can do when we do feel uncomfortable with somebody in a dynamic that's taking place, maybe their social style is too bombastic, uh, is different than ours. Maybe they're an extrovert, we're an introvert, and that's where some of the tensions come from. What we can do is just talk about it, say, hey, can we have a cup of coffee? The other thing we can do is uh, say, hey, can we get somebody to help us talk through a dynamic that we're having in our relationship? And you let that person pick who that outside party could be so that they feel comfortable. Because sometimes we just really do need coaching. Um, I had was in a situation in December on a Zoom with a bunch of teachers, and one of the ICOC teachers was bombastic towards another guy on the call. And then the call ended. And not only was he wrong on what he was saying, he misunderstood what had happened in, in this international call, but he was, uh, his spirit wasn't good and took a lot of emails and eventual phone calls to get it all worked out. But what really helped it get worked out 
is one of the other teachers and I said, hey, can we get a session together? We can coach you guys through what happened. And the matter's now resolved. So sometimes, and this wasn't about a blatant sin, this was just about a misunderstanding. And sometimes we just need help from our friends. I think, um, yeah, just on that last slide, um, sometimes I feel attention or I'm uncomfortable, but through prayer, um, I, you know, I ask God to reveal if it's something that I've done or something that I'm not in um, step with the spirit. So um, it goes back to that not being quick to judge because our feelings can betray us as mine do on a weekly basis. So, because um, I'm a very emotional person. And so I really do have to um, step back and, and look at my own, just because I feel tension doesn't mean something is wrong with the other person. Um, and just seeking maturity, um, I have to turn my page because the screen is part, partially covered here. Um, let me just take yours. Okay. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. I'm so I'm, I'm working on that right now, post holidays, controlling the whole body. Um, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And I think seeking maturity is really also understanding that not everybody reaches maturity at the same time. And being mature is allowing for immaturity to be in your presence and not being troubled by it, but understanding that we're there's a way to, to um, love and be kind to get people to a more mature place. Um, I, I'm a Montessori teacher as well as um, working with my husband. And you know, in our classroom, it's six to nine year olds. There's such a there's such a um, an array of levels of maturity. And just watching those 30 children and observing how they manage themselves with those maturity differences sometimes really tutors me in how how we can be in the body of just helping people and understanding um our maturity differences yeah i love the colossians version of using mature uh which is the greek word teleos which translated mature because it shows us something we're trying to do in our relationship helping people become mature and that Greek word can mean a lot of different things on, depending on the context. It can be a conclusion, a finish, a goal, fulfillment, realization. Uh, uh, could be a lot of different things. With this particular group, the, the mature track that we're on right now, we want to take a little bit more time to talk about this idea of differentiation as it connects to maturity. So mm -hmm. I'll briefly tell a story. So Murray Bowen, a famous therapist and professor at Georgetown, this would be back in the 50s and 60s, um, made an observation as he was counseling families that had a family member that were, was schizophrenic. 
And he noticed that families tended to become schizophrenic in their reaction to that family member. So it was a lot of anxiety was taking place, but there would occasionally be an exception with the family where one member of that family, and it might not be the parent, it might be an older sibling, was not reactive. And their presence in all that reactivity would, would make the reactivity subside. He would be the, or she would be the recalibrating person for the family. And he would say that person tended to be the most mature. And he came up with the language of differentiated. That person knew where they ended and where the next person began and did not allow the codependence and unhealthy uh, reliance on one another in the, in the wrong sense. And then he developed the theory, which was called family systems theory, based on that. One of his disciples was Edwin Friedman who happened to be a rabbi in two previous synagogues where he was a rabbi, they were massively dysfunctional and they ended up in a crisis under his leadership. So he goes back to school to become a therapist and gives up being a rabbi. And after studying under Bowen, he realized the problem with those two congregations was me because he was the reactor. Not you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. I wasn't born Maybe. yet. <laughs> He was the reactive person that made their problems and their long history even worse, rather than being a good pastor by being mm -hmm. differentiated. And that has to do with remaining calm, but staying connected. So that, so let's say you got hurt by somebody that you every single year would be going on family vacations with, but you had this big conflict that lots of hurt feelings. Well, Friedman would say, go on that family vacation again. Be normal. Don't be reactive. And act in such a way as you know you guys will get through all that. There will be a place in time where things are calm again. And then one of Friedman's disciples, his name is Peter Steinke, who Trisha quoted from earlier. He's still alive, and he is a church consultant, written a lot of books about healthy congregations, how your church family works, a fantastic writer. These are short books, and I highly recommend them in all of our consulting mm -hmm. work. One of the things that he contributes uh, uniquely is he talks about the way our brainstem works, which a lot of people know this because this is part of training in companies and churches, but about how our amygdala is our uh, mechanism that helps our brain respond to threats. And sometimes our amygdala can be overreactive and we can uh, be in situations, even in a social situation like a church, where I, our anxiety makes it hard for us to process things. But a mature person will know what to do to calm themselves down. And that's this process of differentiation, which is, like I said, is so connected to maturity. And so uh, that's our goal is to help uh, when we help churches out, help them calm down. Because when we've gone into a number of our clients now, we're walking into a situation where there's a lot of hurt and pain and they need somebody from the outside that can help them uh, sort through it. So this is what we covered. 
Okay, we have uh, more time left than I thought. Uh, so I'm going to uh, uh, go to one more slide and then take some Q&A. Back in uh, around 2000, Trish and I uh, were, I became an elder and we were only two elders in the church of over like 3,400. And we did not, we were in over our head. I was basically 40 years old. Uh, one of the things we did is we surveyed the church and found the condition of the flock. And there were hundreds of people that met a category where they were just so discouraged. And we started something called spiritual uh, recovery. And they would not need to go to midweeks or Bible talk. They would instead go to a Friday night event where there was a meal and a bunch of other people, mature people helping them out in six different locations in the Chicago area. We did this for all those who desired to see themselves needing that help. And about one out of five people in the survey were there because of the way they were treated by leaders. But the other four out of five were there because of life situations. Mm -hmm. And the problem was their leadership did not know how to get them through it. So Tricia made, observed, a, kind of created a model after some things she read. And, and I'll let her take over at some point here because she's, she's the one who developed it. But we did see that when somebody becomes a Christian, they are just happy that with everything that's going on. They see no problems whatsoever. Uh, they're just like happy to be in the church, happy to be saved, right? And then they soon become like a maybe a young leader of a Bible talk, possibly an enthusiast, fired up, but actually helping the church grow. Mm -hmm. And then unpleasant ordeals come along. What did you observe? Yeah, I think through sp the spiritual recovery, but then just observing even in my own life um, and um, those around me um, that there was this pattern and looking at the mature people in my life, um, were they were they enthusiastic about their faith? Absolutely. But there was... Um, a capacity that they held that they could, they were not offended by the dispirited people. They were not offended or they, they weren't trying to um, get them past it or through it, but there was a patience, a loving kindness, um, just a space for those people. And I certainly wanted to have that level of maturity as well. And I think just looking at this pattern, it, it became, I mean, Steve and I have numbered it one, two, threes, and fours, and, and you can go into maturity, but then slip back into the disparated from a situation, but knowing that your goal is to be mature in it and, and recognize where you're at is, has been really helpful for the last decades of um, interactions we've had and um, ways we can help other congregations, but also help ourselves. And in, even in our own relationships with our adult children, um, understanding sort of these stages. Um, and I want to hold this space in my own heart and um, helpfulness in the, in the body for the disparated Christians. Um, 
And so, yeah, we just noticed this, this pattern. And it was interesting several years ago, probably 10 years ago, we presented it to a large congregation. And so many people came up and said, oh my gosh, I'm gonna never do, or, or you know, or oh, hi, I was just baptized. Or um, a few of the leaders turned themselves in to say, I, I'm a two and I don't understand threes and I'm offended by threes. And I think that that really can happen in a body where you, of course, you've got the young Christians that have just been baptized, but the enthusiasts, um, sometimes the um, people that are disparated are so offended or so hurt that the enthusiasts are offended by them. They just look at them as having absolutely no faith and, and just want to cut them off. And it's the mature that can hold space for those people and help them in their faith and help them to renew their faith. Yeah, and back then uh, there was almost uh, a dismissal of people in that third category, but that was a large, large group of people. And ultimately when we had this upheaval that you're all familiar with, uh, we lost a lot of those people. But when we can remember, let's say we are the mature, let's say everybody on this session here is of the mature, you know for a fact there was a time you were deeply discouraged, you were wounded, you were hurting. You had a crisis of faith. You were doing deconstruction or whatever. Yeah. And always keep that in your mind because that gives you the room to help and not be offended by those uh, people that are fitting that third category. We need all the categories because this is the process of growth uh, and so forth. So right now we're just going to we're going to stop and take time just to um, hear from you. 